Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're going to begin a new series this morning called Ecclesia. Now, I'll explain that word to you in a moment, so don't panic or anything, all right? It's taken from this passage in Matthew chapter 16 that we're going to build everything off of. Jesus is talking to the disciples, who do you say I am? And they give different answers. And finally, Peter gives one. And Jesus says this, I will build my church and the power of hell will not conquer it. I will build this. And no matter what's going on in the world today, nothing will stop my church from existing. Now, over the course of history, people have tried to wipe it out. It's not going to happen. He will build his church. So this morning, we're going to talk about the description of the church. Let me try to help you understand what the church is, because there's a lot of ideas out there. I hear all kinds of things. Well, you know, I don't need the church. I can be a Christian and not go to church and all of those types of things that people just have such a misconception. So I want to try to help you understand that a little bit better today, because church is ecclesia. Ecclesia is a Greek word. The New Testament was written in Greek. It literally means assembly. So that when we say faith assembly, faith church. To say faith assembly church is you're repeating yourself. Literally what that word means is assembly or called out of. You've been called out of the world. You've been called to Christ. And so that's what that word represents, ecclesia. That's what it means, and that's what it's about. And so there's three descriptions that I want to look at this morning that the New Testament gives us in regards to the church. The first one is we're a bride. We're a bride. One day, Jesus Christ is going to return for his bride. He's going to come back. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul writes, he says, look, I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow you're pure and undivided devotion to Christ because that's what a bride would do to her husband, correct? Pure, undivided devotion. Okay, ladies, you should have really jumped on that one right there. It was your opportunity to, okay, will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. You're the bride. He wants you to be committed to him. There's another passage in Ephesians chapter 5, and I know as I get to that passage, some people, ladies especially, the eyes roll back into the head, and you just go, oh, no, don't go there. Please don't deal with that one. You know, we don't want to hear about the submission thing and everything else, and so uh, I understand, I know, but would you please work with me this morning? Because what I want you to see is that this passage is not just talking about husbands and wives. It does say that, but a bigger picture of this passage is to give you an illustration of Christ and the church. And so, you know, we'll deal with the husband, you know, it'll be there, it's okay, you'll, you'll survive, but don't miss the big picture here. A husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. 
And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. So you and I, as the church, the bride of Christ, the wife of Christ, should submit to him, correct? All right. For husbands, this means that you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He gave up his life for her. He went to the cross for her. He went to the farthest extreme to prove his love. Why? To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of his word. I'm going to do whatever it takes as a husband to lay down my life so that you can be the person you need to be. That's what Christ did for us. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any of the blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. He didn't do it for his purpose, did he? Any good Christian husband will lay down his life for his wife, not for himself, but for her benefit. Now, men, that was your moment to to shine right there. You could have gotten some great points there, but uh, your moment's passed, you know, without a spot or a wrinkle. In the same way, in the same way that Christ did this for the church, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies for a man who loves his wife actually shows his love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feels and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. And the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. It's a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So Jesus Christ looks at you and I, the church, as his bride. He loves us. He laid down his life for us. He wants a relationship with us. And he wants that relationship to last forever. Wow, that's love. Let's, Revelation chapter 19. Be glad, rejoice, let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb. The reception dinner, if you will. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. So God looks at us, the church, as his bride. Now, what does that mean? That means that you are loved. God loves us more than we can understand. Not the fake kind of love that the world tries to sell. Not a love that's selfish and, oh, if I marry you and here's where I, you know, I have a little problem, well, you'll complete me. Hold it, it's not about you when you're getting married, it's about the other person. And if you're getting married to someone, I'll say this to all those that aren't married, if you're getting married to someone, it's not about you, it's about us. I can do what I need to do to lay down my life to make you a better person, to help you be the person you want to be. That's what marriage is about. He gives that illustration. He says, that's who you are. I love you so much. I care for you so much. 
I will lay down my life for you so that you and I can live together forever. That's great love. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about the bride of Christ. And that's who we are. The love of his life. Great news today. Somebody loves you. You may not love yourself, but God loves you as you are. He loves you. The second thing, he looks at the church is a body. It's a body all throughout the New Testament. And I've just gotten a few scriptures to kind of point this out and to deal with it is the understanding that you and I are also the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We're all together. First Corinthians 12, 12. Human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into the one spirit, into one body, and we all share the same spirit. Verse 26, one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And if you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So we're all one body. We're all a part together, aren't we? So that you and I have to understand the body's made up of many parts, isn't it? And you and I all serve a different function in the body of Christ, correct? And when one part suffers, we all suffer. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice, don't we? And we have the benefit of being together. But too many times what happens is this finger says, look, I'm offended because whenever you point to something, you always use this finger. You should be using me. Well, but I'm right-handed. I don't care. I'm just as important as he is. You're right. You are. I need you. So you start doing what I want you to, but I'm just naturally doing, I don't care. And so one day I do this to point to somebody and this finger goes, I've had it, that's enough, I'm leaving. You're needed in the body of Christ. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. The biggest struggle we have with church the biggest struggle we have with this whole concept is our independence and our individualism. I'm a part of something bigger than myself. I'm a part, I'm a bride. I'm a part of a great body. And each part is important. Ephesians 1.22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. In other words, there's that head thing again. He's the head, we're the body. He's the head, we're the bride. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Colossians puts it this way. Christ is, a, is also the head of the church, 
which is his body. And he is beginning, is ruling and he's over supreme over everything, all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. There it is, point blank. You're the body of Christ. So when you talk about the church, you're talking about a group of individuals who suddenly realize, you know what, we're the bride of Christ and Christ loves us. And he died for us. And we are together with him and he's the head of us. And we live for him because we love him just as he loves us. And we will live with him forever. And while we're on this earth, we are the body of Christ. And so when people look at us, they look at Christ. They see that he is within us and we are all needed as one. And therefore, as the body, you're necessary. Everybody serves a specific part. And the Bible talks about that over and over and over again. Some parts are more visible than others. Some parts are, you know, out in front. Some are hidden. Some are there, but all are important and all are needed. I kind of need this finger. I'm glad it stays. But you know what? When this finger gets shut in a car door, the whole body suffers. You know, I go, oh, no. And it hurts, doesn't it? But when this finger, hey, go this way, everybody rejoices. Finally, he did that. And so you and I have to understand when you talk about the church, you're not talking about an individual. You're not talking about a building per se. What you're talking about is a group of people who have chosen to come together as one who will work together because they have a head, Christ, who they love and who loves them. And it's a mutual admiration society. And we long to be with him forever. And he longs to be with us forever. And as a part of that, we are a part of his body that he is the head over. And each part is needed in the body of Christ. You are necessary well, I don't like the way things are going. I'm just going to take my ball and go home. And that's when somebody says, well, I don't need the church. Well, hold it. I mean, you don't need to be a part of the body. You just want to be out there on your own, doing your own thing. Don't you understand the danger of that? Don't you understand how unbiblical that is? Because the Bible says that we're one and we're all needed and you have something to offer to the body of Christ. And if all you're doing is coming to church, quote unquote, just for you, you're not effectively being the church that Christ wants you to be. Because you don't come to church just for you. You come to church for us because you're needed. And you come to church for Christ because he loves you. You following me? So that when we say the church, oh, hold it, you're talking a building, you're talking a denomination, you, you, what do you mean by that? I mean what the Bible means. We are the bride of Christ and he loves us. We are the body of Christ and he cares for us and needs each one of us because every one of us have a part to play and are needed together. Thirdly, your building. Now, don't be offended. I'm not saying you're as big as a house, okay? It's not like that. 
but God is building you together. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? When you come to Christ, the spirit of Christ lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. Not talking about this building, talking about this building. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? In other words, God says, look, how can you join yourself with someone other than me? How can you make someone else a priority in your life other than me? I'm the love of your life. I deserve your love in return. I have loved you. I have died for you. I've given my life for you. I want your love. And if you go off, that's called cheating. You're not being faithful to me. For we're the temple of the living God. And God said, I will live in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Now you see in the Old Testament, God lived in a building. It was called the temple. In the holy of holy places, that's where he existed. That's why when they prayed, that's where they looked. That's why there was an awesomeness to that. He was there in that temple. But when Jesus Christ died on a cross, that building no longer housed God. Now God is housed in us. In us. And we are the building that God is working in to build us into the people that he wants us to be and that we want to be. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Though Through him, you Gentiles are also being made. I'm glad for that because that's who I am. This dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So Christ lives in me. Spirit of God lives in me. He is building me into a dwelling place. Because how many of you understand when God lives in something, he wants it to be pure and clean, doesn't he? First Peter 2.4, you are coming to Christ who is the cornerstone, living, alive of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. God's alive in me. He uses me to minister, doesn't he? So as part of his body, we're joined together. We work together. He lives in me and dwells in me, is building me into someone. So as a building, I am holy because he dwells with me. Holy meaning separate, set apart. So I come into that place where I recognize that this is who God is. He's building me into something that represents him. He lives in me. And he's building us together. 
well, I don't like the way he's building us. I'm going to take my brick part and go home. You know, and we, we all struggle. And it's not wrong to call, well, this is our church building. It's fine, it's where the church meets. But the church is us. We are the ecclesia. We are the bride of Christ, loved. We are the body of Christ, necessary. We are the building that Christ is using to build and making us into his image to represent him to this world. And we are holy, separate, set apart. We become a part of something bigger than ourselves. Because you see, when you come to Christ, and this is hard for us, you lose your identity and you pick up God's identity. It's no longer about you, it's now about him. He is the love of my life. He is the joy of my life. He's helping me be something and I'm necessary and needed and he will use me and he is helping me become a person who can please him and honor him and serve him. And so when we talk about church, it's more than just, well, I went to church on Sunday. No, I am the church. I'm a part of something bigger than myself. So three things that I want you to take away from this this morning. Understanding that idea of what the church really is and how it's described. First of all, I willingly become a part. It's as if this happens. God comes to you this morning and says to you, will you marry me? Yes or no? Okay. There might be some people here this morning who said, well, no, I, I, I'm okay the way I am. I don't need him. He will never force you to be something. Whenever you come to Christ, you do not lose your free will. I wish you did. I wish I did. I wish you just, hey, let me come to you and take away all the junk. Just tell me what to do. It'll be for my benefit. I'll be better off for it and I'll be much more happier. But he still gives us a free will. So that means there's kind of a battle we got to fight, isn't there? And so am I willingly come to Christ? He says, look, I'm not going to force you to be a part of a body. I'm not going to say, you're going to be that and I'll just shut up and do what I tell you to do. He just says, I have a place for you. And if you're willing to come into that place, at that position, I will use you and you will be satisfied and you will be effective in what you do. And if you will allow me and my spirit within you, and if you will listen to me, I will help you be holy. I will help you be stronger. I will help you to be more godly. I, God's willing. Are you willing? And many times our biggest battle, once we say yes to Christ, well, okay, yeah, I love him, but you know what? I also love going to the beach on Sunday. God says, well, which one is it? Well, I can be the church out here. I can experience God at the beach. And there's an element of truth there. But you're not a part of the body. 
You're withdrawing yourself from people who need you because you're needed. You're putting yourself in a position where now you're dictating how everything is going to be and no longer is Christ the head. Now you are because you're defining everything on your own, aren't you? God says, look, will you willingly become a part of a body? Will you willingly put yourself in a position for me to use you? Will you willingly allow me to work inside of you to help you become the person that I created you to be? Your choice. And God just says, I'm asking, will you? Secondly, I have to work at growing together. I have to work at becoming a part. How many of you would agree with me that marriage is work? Now, it's good work. It's good work. Don't get me wrong. But it's still an effort, isn't there? You know, and and having the body you need. I mean, look at this body. I put a lot of work into this. You know, it's work to keep it up, isn't it? Some of you worked on it a long time before you came here this morning. You, you, you know, you, you work at it, right? And when you're, God's building you, building a building's work, isn't it? So I have to be willing to put in the effort to work at getting along with people, being apart with people. Do you understand that over 50 times in the New Testament, there's these phrases that are very similar, one another, each other are used. You see, we're commanded to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, teach each other, accept one another, honor each other, bear one another's burdens, forgive each other, submit to one another, be devoted to each other, on and on and on it goes. And so when the church is mentioned in the New Testament, it's never about a building. It's about a people that God has brought together to be one. That he loves, that he cares for, and that he wants to help grow, and that he wants to help use. Because what he wants to do with us is he wants us to reach the world. He wants us to be his witness. As his body, we represent him here on this earth at this time, don't we? And so he says, I want to use you as my bride. I want you to be able to go where I can't go right now, but you can. I'm going to put my spirit in you so that he can direct you and lead you so that others can know me. I'm going to build you into people that will have a witness before God. Not perfect, but joined loved, cared for, needed. And thus, we have this great passage that you're probably getting sick of me using. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So when we talk about the church, I'm going to church today, it's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Everybody then knows what we're saying. And we are going to a building. But no longer is the building the place where God dwells. Technically, we say sometimes, oh, God's here. Yeah, God's here because you're here, because wherever two or three gathered in my name, I'm there. Why? Because he came with us. He's a part of us. We're a part of him. And that's when we talk about the church. That's who we are. Faith Assembly is a group of people who have come together to be the bride of Christ. 
the love of his life and he the love of ours. And he's putting them together as a body to use them to represent him in this world and every part is needed and everyone has a part to play. And then he puts us into building us into the people that represent him and that can be a witness to him in the world around us because he lives in us. That's the church. A uh, tornado went through a community and leveled the church building. It was just a pile of rubble. A reporter came by as the pastor was standing there and said, well, uh, what are you going to do uh, in a couple of days? You've got Sunday coming. Uh, is the church going to have something? What are you going to do? And the pastor replied, the church is going to have service on the property. The church will be there. The building won't, but the church will be there. We are the church. And so when we talk about ecclesia, we're talking about us, the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ that he is building to represent him. So this morning, maybe you're one of those who you have not come into this body and you willingly have just not accepted Christ. And you recognize you need to be a part of something that's bigger than you, better than you. And that Christ died for you and he loves you. And he's asking you today, will you come? Will you become a part of me? Can I become a part of your life? Will you accept me? Will you live for me instead of living for yourself, which is what every great relationship has to do? And then he says, okay, for those of you that have accepted that invitation, he wants to build you into the body. Now, Satan wants to do everything he can to separate you, doesn't he? Pull you off apart. I don't need any of them. I don't need any of them. Yes, you do. And he wants you to know you're needed. And he cares. And he's building you. And his spirit within you today is talking to you right now. Hey, you need to address this. You need to deal with this. You need to stop thinking like that. You need to start making these changes. Will you listen to him? Because he wants nothing more than to build you up and to make you effective. And so would you just take a moment just right now where you're at? Say, God, here I am. I'm the part of the church or I want to be a part of the church. And here's what I want to do. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm needed somewhere. Thank you for cleansing me and making me holy. Could you take just a moment, just between you and the Lord, and do that? Father, we thank you today for your love for us. Lord, you don't want us off there out on our own doing our thing. You want us doing your thing. And so, Father, would you help us today to recognize and to willingly become a part of the body of Christ. 
And as the body, would you help us to work at being one as you've called us to be? Would you help us to care what you care for and you care for people? People need you. And you've given us the great privilege of representing you here on this earth so that others can know, so that they can come and be a part of something and that they can grow and become more like you. Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to love the church and to be willing to give our life for it. And we thank you for the confidence we have of knowing you're going to build your church and the gates of hell will not stop it. Thank you for that confidence. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for that life that you offer to us. Thank you for helping us and allowing us to be a part of the church today. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.